Hey everybody, this is Noah Woodward again with another podcast. I I haven't put any episodes on for a little while, but I'm going to get back to it. And hopefully, I said before that I would have two podcasts a week. Um, That's turning out to be a little more than I thought to be. And so I'll, I'll do one podcast a week. And so this podcast, I'm going to have a two part, two episodes on prayer and the importance of prayer, uh, what prayer is and how it, how it affects the environment and how it affects you. And I'll talk about some events that happened as a result of prayer and some miracles that happened. But I also, before we get started, I don't want to, I'm going to be giving information and, and I, I hope you guys get a greater understanding and, uh, knowledge of, prayer and why it's important, but I, I really don't think you can really learn about prayer until you do it and until you make a habit of doing it in your life. So with all this that I'm giving you soon, I don't want it to just be information that you guys are hearing. I want it to be, I want it to give you a hunger uh, for prayer so that you can begin a lifestyle of prayer and so that you can be changed, and so that the world can be changed. So let's get started. So I just want to give some background on prayer, and just so you can have just have an understanding of uh, just the importance of prayer. So first of all, as Christians, we look to Jesus for everything. We look to Him as an example. Um, the Bible says that He is a forerunner for us, and He's the author and perfecter of our faith. So we're always looking to Him as the ultimate example. So with that in mind. We see in Scripture Jesus praying a lot. There are dozens of parts in Scripture that talk about that and mention him praying. Um, for example, Matthew fourteen twenty three, Mark six forty six. If you guys want to look these up, Luke six twelve and Mark one thirty five are scriptures that talk about how Jesus prayed. He had an extremely powerful prayer life that allowed him to walk in the power and the authority that he had. And because of that, uh, the apostles asked him how to pray. They saw there was something important about his prayer life that they didn't have, and they wanted it. So they asked him how to pray. And then we see later that uh, they learned how to pray, and they learned how to access God's throne, and how to access God, and change the environment, and miracles happened. Um, The upper room they were all praying together. There was 120 of them. So that was the apostles and, you know, however many other people more were there. They were praying and they were worshiping and the Holy Spirit came and filled them and they began to speak in other tongues. Uh, if you look at every man of God that's ever walked in history in whoever walked uh, in power and authority in their daily lives in ministry had a reputation for being men of prayer. For example, look at um, Charles Spurgeon, A.W. Tozer, E.M. Bounds. Some of you might have not heard of these, but they're powerful men of God from years and years ago that you should really read on. But uh, also Jonathan Edwards, John G. Lake, John and Charles Wesley, who were brothers, George Whitfield, Martin Luther, some more modern Billy Graham, and David Wilkerson. Uh, Not just men, but, you know, Mother Teresa had a very... Uh, deep and, and powerful prayer life as well. And many other women did and still do. If you look at some of the things that they have said in the, the 
their lives, they believed, uh, many of these men uh, believed that you needed to spend, a Christian needed to spend at least two to three hours in prayer every day. And that was a, a practice in many of these men's and women's lives, spending multiple hours at a time just in prayer and seeking God's face and just hungering for more of God. Also, if you look at any revival in church history, you'll see that it started because of an increase in God's people seeking his face. God says, if you seek me, you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart. And St. Chronicles 7.14 also says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, and turn from the wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. So just for a, a couple examples, the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s, uh, many believe that this was responsible for the explosion and just the rapid expansion of preaching and teaching on the Holy Spirit. And not just that, but moves of the Holy Spirit throughout America. Previously, the teaching on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit uh, had kind of died out, and really the the church was was kind of dry in many areas in America. But the Azusa Street Revival uh, really helped fan the flames in the church. But this started with prayer and worship services every morning and every evening, every day, every day. Uh, these people, and there wasn't a big group at first, but it grew really fast. Uh, they prayed and they worshipped and they just sought God's face. And crazy things happened that uh, is almost unexplainable. Just miraculous things happened because of that, uh, just their praying. And for an, uh, another example, last example, the Moravian Revival. Uh, most of you probably haven't heard of the Moravians, but um, this this revival happened in the 1800s. And if you haven't heard of them, I really encourage you to look it up because it'll give you uh, just a, a hunger for prayer. So this revival, uh, without getting into too much detail, uh, it started with prayer and it ended up sparking a hundred years of 24-7 prayer. Because of this, these group of people at first that were just started praying every day together, it sparked a hundred years where they, they put a team together and it started with 24 people and it later grew to like 76 or something. But they, they took shifts and they decided that they didn't want to stop praying. So there's 24 of them at first, and they each took an hour every day to pray to God and to seek his face. And uh, because of that, a lot of missionaries were sent out in the next 25 years. About 100 missionaries were sent out, which is more than uh, the evangelical church had sent out in a long time. So it was just so powerful, and it started with the people of God just seeking his face. God's promise to us is that if we seek his face, he will come, he will show up, and he will do things. He'll reveal himself and he will seek us if we seek him. If we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So the goal of this podcast, uh, before I continue on, I'm going to have a two-part podcast. So I'm going to get into it a little bit on this, but I'm also going to continue it and share some more things next week in a second part. So let's continue. The goal of this podcast is one for everyone listening to gain a greater understanding of prayer, what it is, how it works, and how it affects you, and uh, how it can affect the environment around you. Uh, second goal is for you to get a hunger for prayer. That's really the main goal, is for you to have a hunger for prayer, because the next two goals, three and four, will just come out of this. A third goal is for you to commit to a, to a discipline of prayer every day, and which would end up 
as my fourth goal, which is for you guys to uh, establish a lifestyle of prayer. If God's people would put emphasis on prayer instead of some of the other things we do, God would show up quickly. I don't think revivals happen on accident. So that's, that's the goal, is to get a hunger for prayer an understanding of prayer and uh, a discipline prayer, which was would result in a lifestyle of prayer. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said he's a uh, just amazing man of God and, and preacher. He said, I know of no better thermometer to your spiritual temperature than this, the measure of the intensity of your prayer. So he believed that the depth of your prayer life is a great indicator of how healthy you are as a Christian and how intimate you are with God. Leonard Ravenhill said, Ministers who do not spend two hours a day in prayer are not worth a dime a dozen, degrees or no degrees. So basically that means even if a minister, a preacher, a pastor, a leader of the church has a a bachelor's degree in theology or even a master's or a doctorate, if they don't put emphasis on prayer in their life, spending hours in prayer, then they're they're not worth much to the kingdom of God. They're not really worth as much as we think they're worth. And John Wesley said, the neglect of prayer is a grand hindrance to holiness. So that means when you the more prayer you have in your life, the holier you are going to be. And the less prayer you have in your life, the less holy you're going to be. These men of God put emphasis on their prayer lives. It was important to them to pray and you can see the reason we know these men of God and the reason that they're so famous is because of of the way God moved through them and God moved through them in mighty and powerful ways because of their relationship with God which was a fruit of their prayer life. I think sometimes we like to we like to lift up these men of God and we talk about how great they were and how God moved through them but we're not willing to follow them and do what they did. So just an intro to prayer um, real quick. I want to talk about what prayer is not and also what prayer is. So Prayer is not trying to manipulate or leverage your way into getting God to do something for you. So first of all, prayer is not trying to manipulate or leverage your way into getting God to do something for you. That's a very, very unbiblical way of thinking that if you think you can pray enough and say the right words and manipulate God into doing something for you because you think that you deserve it, you are out of your mind. God isn't moved by fancy prayers. He's not moved by smooth words. Secondly, prayer is not repeating the same mantra or phrase over and over again. That doesn't impress God. It doesn't, he's not moved by just praying the same thing over and over again for the sake of saying it as many times as you can. That's not what what moves God. Though in praying, you could very possibly pray for someone or, or something for, you know, pray hundreds of times, but that's not the goal. The goal is to connect to our Heavenly Father. It's not to try to impress him or pray more and more. Okay, and thirdly, prayer is not an excuse to be disobedient. So what I mean is prayer is not, you, you don't pray to get out of doing the other uh, commands of God. So you, you you don't pray to get out of evangelizing. You don't pray to get out of preaching. If you're scared of being in front of people and speaking, prayer is not an excuse to get out of that. It's not an excuse not to evangelize. So some, you know, some people, uh, some Christians think that and, you know, they can justify it. They can try to justify it by saying, well, prayer is more important than you know, anything else. And I'm praying and it affects the atmosphere and I'm connecting to God. And while those things are true, it's not an excuse to not do all the other things that God has commanded us to do. 
which is to be a light and salt in the world and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So if you're always stuck in your room or wherever you're at praying and you refuse to come out and minister to the world, you're not going to be worth much to the world. Okay, so now that we've covered some things that prayer is not, uh, I want to cover three things that prayer is and then we'll end this podcast and we'll continue in part two. So prayer is communion with the triune God, which it's a fancy word, but basically it just means that when you're praying, it's communication between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Not one of them are left out when you're praying. All of them, scripturally, we'll get to it in part two, scripturally, every single one person of the Godhead is connected and involved in your prayer life. Okay, secondly, prayer is positioning yourself to see, hear, and feel God, and to be changed by God. When you spend time in prayer, you put yourself in a position to be able to see God more, to hear God more, um, to think the way God thinks, and to feel God. When you get, when you seek God, He will come, and it's the most refreshing thing you could ever do. And you'll be changed by it. You'll be changed by being in the presence of God and by hearing and feeling God. And it's amazing. Okay, and lastly, prayer is humbling yourself and asking for his grace and favor. It's coming to the king of kings, the creator of the universe of all things. And it's just kneeling down before him and a humble manner and just laying yourself out and just asking for his grace and favor. God says that he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So you got to come in prayer. Prayer really is in itself, true prayer in itself is a humbling of yourself and just bowing down and seeking God's face because you know that you can't do it on your own and you need him and it's expressing your dependence upon God. And I want to close with a quote by Charles Spurgeon that I really like. He says, to pray is to enter the treasure house of God and to gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. And I think that's really true. To pray is to enter the treasure house of God and to gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. When you pray, there is really no limit to what God uh, can do in you and through you when you give yourself to prayer. So I hope this has been encouraging. Um, I'll will share more in part two, but I just I want to finish up and keep these podcasts at about 20 minutes. So uh, again, I hope you really enjoyed that. I hope that encouraged you and I will hopefully see you next time.